0: Welcome to Pink Noise Posse. This is season two of Amplify Your Gold, and I'm your host, Very Sherry. I broadcast conversations with mindset shifters who are showing up in service of elevating our human potential. Today's guest is Posse member Serena Meyer. In season one, we talked about her book Sacred Anger and her Anger Tango Workshops. This season, she brings up the critical step she's come to realize is key to feeling it all. Permission. Permission to feel your feelings. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Something Serena said about her emotions struck a chord with me. This isn't something I need to fix. This is something I need to feel. I keep hearing this. Maybe it's for a reason. Growing up in the fake it till you make it mindset has its disadvantages. If the thing you're really searching for is wholeness and authenticity. Well, let's jump in because there's a lot more to share. Serena Myers, it's so good to see you again. Welcome back to Pink
1: Noise. Thanks for the invitation. I always love hanging out with you, Sherry.
0: And in this conversation, it's my intention that we dive deep into topics that are of interest to you and topics that are of interest to your clients
1: and the people that you're working with around the topic of sacred anger. You know, it's really interesting um, because at the beginning of 2021, I dropped my book, Sacred Anger, and all the conversations I had at that time with clients, with friends and interviews like this, they were always about anger. And what I started noticing whenever I was bringing it up in client circles, is there would be a lot of resistance to the word. And um, it was really funny to unpack it actually, because to me it was like, it was a given, it was a thing we all experience. I'm very like anti the taboo of anger. So it seemed like, you know, like why, why was this word so triggering? Why was it so heated? And what I realized is that there was this permission piece that was missing and this is kind of the pivot that has been changing in my work right now it was this permission to feel it all and that means also anger but <laughs> you know there were all these other emotions we weren't allowing ourselves to feel too and i found this particularly in spiritual circles where um you know there is kind of the expectation uh, to love and light all the time and while that's a really beautiful ideal if we're completely honest about the work there's a lot of work that happens in the shadows and we can't do that unless we actually are willing to step into those spaces. But that permission piece has been like a recurring theme since our last conversation. Because once people can unlock that layer, once they can give themselves the permission to hashtag feel it all, then they can feel anger. Then they can deep, deep into dig into other emotions, jealousy and resentment and all these things that are not flattering emotions. They're not ones we even want to admit to ourselves that we have, but are also like kind of part of the human experience that we came here to do. That was a long answer. That was a big rant. (laughs) Permission.
0: Permission. So that's what's Mm -hmm. coming up for you is the conversation of permission. Uh, Yesterday I was flying home from Colorado and uh, I was there to do some advanced authentic relating work. With a group of people, and the days before that, I was in Denver doing um, authentic relating with inmates in prison, and there was a lot of conversations about the suppression of feelings and not showing emotions, and how part of the work of authentic relating is about setting down the mask of who you think you're supposed to be, and instead lean into the discomfort of saying how you're actually feeling, Mm -hmm. and. I bring this up because the movie I chose to watch to distract my exhausted, emotional mind body from my work was the movie about Mr. Rogers. Oh, that's going to crack you open. Yeah. And this movie about Mr. Rogers, I forget the whole title, but obviously like, you know, would you be my neighbor kind of theme um, was centered around this main character who didn't know how to express his emotions and instead just was disconnected from the people in his life. So using, and in, in the prison work, we talk about being in protection mode versus being in connection mode. And this is what I saw in the character of this movie. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my partner who I was with looked over at me periodically throughout the movie, and I had tears just streaming down my face. You know, I just coming to these realizations of just simply sitting and saying, I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel misunderstood. Just saying those words, and how hard that can be for some people
1: yeah i think there's the saying it which is really huge then there's the actually giving yourself the space to be with it um you know i i got out of therapy yesterday and we had been doing a lot of deep childhood work so you know i was a little raw after that And i was sitting on the couch and i just had this little rain cloud above my head and i wasn't saying anything i was quite quiet which is not my vibe at all and my wife was like do you need to do you need to talk about this do you need to unpack whatever happened and i was like no this isn't something I need to fix. This is something I need to feel. And it was just feeling like, yeah, I'm sad and it's not fun. And it feels kind of gross. And I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like the emotional eating of the vegetables you didn't like on your plate as a kid or something. It's like, it's good for you. Just feel it. So I think like the admitting that you're having the feeling, giving yourself the space to feel it and not trying to fix it, just being like, yeah, here it is. And also using that towards our good emotions too. Like if we've been in a really hard time and things start getting good, we are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And we don't really allow ourselves to truly experience joy because we're afraid it's going to get taken away from us. Whereas the more that we can pull ourselves into this moment, the more that we can like stop trying to control and expect and, and arrange how things are going to be, the more we actually just give ourselves the space to feel whatever it is, like like literally feel it all.
0: I was thinking then, as you said that about the, was it a Disney movie, a, an animated movie called Inside Out? Oh, yes. That had characters playing feelings. Mm-hmm. This this seems to be a really important topic. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that we've been in a culture of suppression for so long?
1: Oh, that I'm going to get super ranty with. So I'm going to um, say that, the overarching thing of that is the patriarchal systems we've been living in. You know, um, women are taught to blend in, to be subservient, to to minimize themselves in whatever way possible. And of course, with our emotions, we have to pull those back in with us as well. And then are basically just being raised to not be women, to be strong, to be the man. You know what I mean? Everything is around that. And I think that that has been for both genders, really, for all genders, truly, has been really toxic in how we're able to express ourselves. And I think as generations have gone on and as research has developed, we're learning more the consequences of living under that system, what it's looked like. But I think we've had that turned up in the pressure cooker of the pandemic because we have been home with our people more. We've had less places to be able to get away from whatever our feelings are. And yeah, we have things like TikTok and social media and stuff like that to distract us, but it'll only get you so far because when you have more time to be with yourself, You can only distract so much before you actually get bored of your distractions. And then the only thing left is to actually feel it. So, you know, I think that um, we have been in the last two years has been kind of unusual circumstances, which has been a bit of a game changer, not always in a positive way, but definitely in a way where we had more of a mirror up where it was harder to ignore uh, everything that was going on inside us. And we had to do something about it.
0: And so, going back to this topic of permission, mm-hmm. and thank you for adding your perspective about how we've gotten to be a society of peoples who have who have learned, who have been taught, who have been modeled to how to suppress. And and I, I appreciate that like bigger, wider picture, and and so now we're trying to do something about it. And what is it around permission like how how do you how do you offer it to others
1: by by me, modeling me personally it? yeah mm. so i think that there's two things one i think is the modeling it because um the people that you know who see you day to day and particularly if you're a parent and you're raising children to be in this same kind of permissive state Um, There is that modeling element that says, okay, this is a way of doing things that's different than what other people are doing. But I, as a coach, for instance, this is not something I can give to somebody else. I can validate their feelings. I can encourage them. But permission, particularly when it comes to how we express what we're feeling, that's an inside job. That's something somebody has to claim for themselves. And so, you know, with my clients, they see, you know, and they, they know about my journey. So they've seen how I went from being like pretty angry and bottled up to being like completely burnt out to now living in this place where I have like a pretty healthy relationship with, with expressing my emotions, not perfect who is, but you know, this has kind of been my, my experience. And so they know, they know that that's possible, but it's the things within themselves, there is there's worthiness, there's a willingness to disrupt. Because frankly, if you're somebody who was always really complacent, or who was um, really people pleasing, and now suddenly you're disrupting the dynamics in your relationships, if you are now like standing up for yourself and setting boundaries and claiming your needs and speaking your feelings. People are expecting you to behave the way you always did. Now you've kind of changed the rules a little bit, which is absolutely 100% okay. But you also need to be willing for that to be disruptive because it comes with a pushback sometimes you know especially if these are long-term relationships that were built on a foundation of oftentimes inequality truly where one person's needs were being met and the other wasn't but permission is definitely not something that I can give to somebody else like oh yeah you can be what you want do what you want feel what you want that's not for me to say that's for me to encourage but it's for them to say you know what. I, and I think there's an intellectual part of, I know this, like what she's saying is making sense. I get it. And then eventually it travels from the head down to the heart and it's, I want this for myself and I'm willing to be disruptive. I'm willing to make changes I'm willing for it to be awkward and uncomfortable. And that's when it can actually happen when the permission piece is unlocked. And now the feelings are coming in and the desires are coming in and where they're able to like claim all of themselves and bring it all to the table in a bigger way.
0: What I'm hearing you say there is when you can feel more of your emotions, you can tap into what you actually want, and then you can be courageous enough to step forward and have more of what you want in your life. Mm -hmm.
1: But as you said, it's an inside job. Yeah, and and it has to unlock there first because, you know, I know people who buy all the books, they go to the retreats, they take the courses, they work with the coaches, but they haven't actually done that inner part. So they're thinking their way through their life, through their emotions, through whatever. And they have the language to describe what's going on for them. Like they know it conceptually, but because it hasn't dropped into the heart and because it hasn't dropped into the body, they are trying to navigate the world from the head up. And you can only get so far from that way. Like we've had really brilliant minds who've had these breakthroughs in technology and science and math and all these wonderful things. But when we're talking about the feeling, the soft sciences and like how we are as souls and how we are as people, you can't do that from the neck up. You need to drop all the way into the heart and into the body. And I think honestly, like if I look at my own personal work for the last two years, um, all of that has been the hardest work of my spiritual journey of the last, you know, know, 13 years or something has been in the last, like, I'd say year and a half. And it was all because I was bringing everything into the body. Finally, I stopped disassociating from my life. I started to really embody the lessons, embody the truth, feel it viscerally. So when I was going back into those old hurts and into those old feelings, I had to actually physically feel it instead of intellectualize it. Intellectualizing it, that's, even when it's hard, it's so much easier. Um, But it's, it's like, half the work. It's not really the full, deep immersion into feeling.
0: I've talked before about the dignity and humility teaching within the authentic relating world. And there's the shadow of those two states, the shadow of dignity being posture, Mm -hmm. posturing, arrogance, bullying, that's protection. But the shadow of humility being collapse, not enoughness, unworthiness, and there's an embodiment exercise in the advanced class that we did on the weekend. And even though I was there to assist the course leader, I'm still participating in the exercise. And there I was embodying my collapse state, thinking of every time where I felt unworthy, undeserving, not enough. I don't, my voice doesn't matter, collapse in a ball on the floor with tears rolling down my cheeks, sniffling, like there I was embodying that state so I could really feel it. And it's, it's
1: so hard to let yourself go there. Mm -hmm. And it's so courageous to actually choose it, to be like, Hey, I'm going to do this super hard thing that I know is going to be really good for my growth. I am going to shine the light into my old stories, my old beliefs and my memories and the things that um, where my needs weren't met or where I didn't feel safe to be able to have my needs met where I'm going to choose to go into that darkness and shine the light there myself, to be the light that wasn't there for me at those times. It's very courageous work.
0: And I'm, I'm hearing the conviction in your voice of how important it was for you to embody this practice, to move it from your head into your heart, into your body. And because of experiences like the one I just mentioned, I know that to be true too. And I have a really hard time going there when it's not guided. Mm -hmm. So what, what techniques do you use with yourself or with clients to embody those, those feelings and not just, you know, resist them or stuff them or deny them.
1: So I think the first part is recognizing when you do do that, because for all those years, and I say like all those years, I mean like 25 years that I was kind of disconnected from my emotions because I was being protective of myself. I didn't know that I was intellectualizing my emotions, you know, because I learned the vernacular. I knew what to say. I could tell you beautifully everything that I was feeling, but I wasn't really truly in it, even though I had intense emotions, it wasn't the depth of the work that I am now working through as like through embodiment practices. I personally don't do a lot of this stuff on my own. Um, I work with coaches, healers, and therapists to take me into those places because sometimes they're no, not sometimes all of those times, those are places that I haven't been able to navigate on my own. That's why they are the unexplored territory, even though I've been doing this work for 13 years. So for me, I uh, I like to work with somebody one-on-one to help me get into the those little nooks and crannies. Um, but I think that the work that I do do on my own is in then living the lesson. So I'm going into the experience in a guided way, in a supported way, but then it's the, how do I apply that in my day-to-day life? And it's, sitting on the couch after therapy, and instead of like turning on Netflix, being like, I'm just going to sit here and be sad, and that's okay. It's sometimes it's journaling and art and collage and, and doodling and things like that, where I almost get to like, move the energy with something physical and creative. Um, and a lot of it is just the willingness to call myself out on my bullshit, honestly, because I'll be like, whoa, I have really created a story here. That's really interesting. And then if I can follow the story back, I go, okay, well, that's because when I was five years old, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like I can really get to the root of it. But unless you can actually figure out that A, you're telling the story and B, that you're trying to think your way through your feelings, that's really hard to do like you need to have that self-awareness before you can then start to get into these other layers. And sometimes like the awareness also needs that extra little help from somebody on the outside who has been there and can actually help you navigate at least in the beginning. You know, it really it really is bold and audacious for us to to claim our needs and our desires. In not just what we feel, but also like what we truly want. And, you know, I think we talked before, I think, I feel like on our last um, interview, I went on a patriarchy rant about, you know, the way that, you know, women have been controlled for so long. Uh, And so much of that is in just the diminishing of our desires and our needs, the diminishing of our pain, because, you know, somebody has it worse. It's not that bad and you know it's only until we actually pull these things back in that we're truly claiming our wholeness we've always been whole but we abandon these parts of ourselves because we think they're not palatable or they think they're going to make us unlovable or because when we were a kid we had this desire and somebody poo-pooed on it instead of embracing it and now we think there's something wrong with that and so when we do this work of saying you know what this is the thing that i need this is the thing that i want this is what i feel this is what i'm going to pursue like that is a pulling back in of all those abandoned parts that is you know um total reclamation (laughs) really and i think that that's how we begin to find things like permission a lot easier because we've taken back all the parts of us that were left on the side of the road who thought that they weren't worthy or thought that they couldn't, that it would be too hard or too disruptive. We pull all those parts in and we go, no, 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 it's okay, I got you. This is not your job to have to carry this load. And now that I am whole and I have claimed all of my wholeness and I have this awareness, it's a lot easier for me to boldly pursue what I want because nothing is left behind. All of me is here. I bring all of me to the table. I want that. You're doing it. I'm working on that. Oh, I mean, I don't know that there's anyone who ever goes like check and like ticks the box and that's it. They're done. I do think that this is like a a lifelong thing, because even though it's the work that I do with the clients, I still need to remember myself. That's why I have a therapist and why I have coaches, (laughs) because there are times where I earlier this year and for someone who like, you know, I talk for a living pretty much. Earlier this year, every time I had to give voice to hard emotions, I would literally get like a lump in my throat. And I had heard about that, but I always thought it was metaphorical. I didn't know people had a physical actual like lump in their throat and it was painful to give voice to these things. And I was like, this is so weird. I've never had a problem giving like giving truth. But again, I was speaking truth disembodied. And now that I was here present in my body and having these emotions run through me, I was like, ooh, this feels different. It's not fun. You know, but the more you do it, it's like any muscle, the more you do it, the stronger it gets. So now I give voice to the heart emotions and I take my time and I stop for a breath and whatever. But I haven't had the, the lump rise in my throat for months now. It's been amazing. But I had to keep, I had to push through that discomfort to be able to get to the other side.
0: And I'm feeling some awe in the fact that you noticed. You notice this pattern mm-hmm. enough to name it, feel it, realize it, work through it.
1: I think it got to the point. Uh, this is a lot of my a lot of my change is actually not so much about any kind of brilliant aha that I've had or some kind of courageous thing I've endeavored on. It's usually something has just crept up and grabbed me. and it's so strong that I can't deny it anymore. So when I had, you know, I didn't have just casual anxiety. When I had anxiety, I had straight up burnout, lay in bed for 10 months anxiety. I go big or go home, you know, this is like the overachiever in me, I guess. And so this type of a thing, it was, (sighs) once I had the awareness that it was happening and I could pull myself back into my body because I feel myself want to check out and I go, no, come on back in. um, It's undeniable. And the more present you are, the harder it is to distract or avoid or pretend because it's too loud. So it's not that I, it, it wasn't so much that like I did anything to make that happen. It was more that it got so uncomfortable, it was undeniable and needed to be dealt with.
0: What an incredible journey, this living this life, wanting to be whole, wanting to show up. It's incredible how much work it is. And and I and I see people that I perceive to be content, and I think there's some contentness with oblivion, mm-hmm. but I can't go back to it.
1: That's the thing. I think there are people who came into this life to just have a life where there doesn't need to be big trauma or big soul discovery or big whatever they just came here to be content and there's no judgment there man that is like a sweet gig if that's what you came into this life to do like fill your boots that's amazing but there are people and you'll notice because these type of people tend to attract each other and gravitate towards each other they came to be change makers they came to elevate consciousness, they came to do work. And like, maybe in the past lives, we were the ones who got to have the chill time. And now we have to be, you know, a little bit more disruptive. I don't know. But um, I think the thing is, when we when we find this work, we were meant to. And it means that our you know, the ignorance is bliss phase, it's over. Because once you know, you can't unknow there's different degrees and different speeds that you can take your journey if you're, and how deep you're going to go and how fast you're going to get there. But once you know, once you're on the journey, like, that's it, friend, you got to go, you got to move forward. And also the beauty in that, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about all the hard stuff, but like, as much as ignorance is bliss, and maybe it's easier and, and more content, the Mm, the power and the potency and the beauty that we get to experience when we slay our dragons and when we shine the light in our shadows you don't get that from a nice day on the beach you don't get that from the perfect picnic in the grass you know what i mean like it is like the work and the satisfaction of the work and so you know the this this these things might be challenging at times but they are not all bad there's actually some really beautiful stuff in there as well oh yeah
0: the word that was coming to my mind as you were describing all that was euphoria yes and that is what I found in my intimate relationship with my partner Mm. is complete and absolute euphoria like the bliss that is on the other side of being loved Holy and completely for whoever you are in this moment and in this moment and in this moment.
1: It's just fucking remarkable. Mm-hmm. And it's so healing to find that kind of love when the stories you'd had all the time before that was I am not lovable, I am too much, I am unworthy, I am not deserving. When you can bring all of you to the table, and this is why it's important that we bring all those parts of ourselves back in, when you can show up at the table and just be like, this is me, this is me right now, this is me tomorrow, <laughs> this is me, and be loved for that, there isn't a reason to hide things in the cupboard and put them under the carpet and hope that nobody notices, because you've already brought all of you to the table, and it was more than enough, and it was more than deserving, and it was more than lovable, you know, I, I thought I was on a self-love, I don't know, journey before I met my wife and I thought I'd kind of mastered it, but being loved by her, where I did bring all of my mess to the table. And she was like, yeah, cool. No problem. And, and not just no problem, like upheaved her life from the UK and moved to Canada for me. Like, you know, this wasn't like an easy romance by any stretch. And it was like, yeah, I love you. And, It was able to take the work I had done on myself, which I thought was huge, and ramp it up because suddenly I got to see how lovable I was, not just from my own work, but through someone else's eyes. And, you know, which is not to say you need to find a romantic partner to be able to reach those new levels of awareness within yourself, but it helps Or a close friend or a parent if they're doing their job right. But like, you know, we need someone to love all of us as well, not just us to claim it all. But we can't have ourselves loved in that way if we're not willing to bring all of ourselves to the table in the first place. Thank you for that. Thank you. I'm so glad our paths have crossed. <laughs> You're so lovely. Thanks for being here. That's my pleasure.
0: Anyone who knows me can probably imagine I am in love with bringing all of myself to the table, leaving nothing behind. What I get about Serena and her work, it's the same work that is ongoing in my life. It's integration, integration, integration. This is the key to embracing and loving all parts of oneself. And just to double click on that example she offered about being a talker, (laughs) because hashtag me too. And yet she was finding a lump in her throat when it came time to uttering words about feelings that might disrupt status quo. And once again, that was so me. That was me in my past relationship. I'd get confronted to say more about how I felt but my nervous system had already been triggered, and I froze. It, I didn't have the capacity to access the part of my brain that felt safe to say what I was feeling. And something that Serena said in this conversation was that she was speaking truth disembodied. And she said, now that I'm here, present in my body, having these emotions running through me, she was like, oh, this feels different. It's not fun. But the more you do it, like using any muscle, the stronger it gets. She went on to say that now she gives voice to the hard emotions and she takes her time and stops for a breath. And the lump in her throat no longer exists. She pushed through the discomfort to get to the other side. This reminds me of what my first spiritual mentor told me. The only way out is through. Thank you, Heather. Next week, Posse member Anna Choi is my guest, and she talks about how she is living a life by design and taking leaps of faith to express herself more completely. I hope you stay tuned. Until then, keep mining and shining the gold within.